in here and we'll take our Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be on page 45 in our books. If you have a book, I don't have any extras to give out anymore. But Hebrews chapter 11, you can still follow along even if all you have is the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, page 45, lesson number 11. And uh, the faith of Rahab. Before we get started, if anyone's got a Bible memory verse you want to try out on us, we'll gladly hear you. Anybody? Bible memory. Going once. Oh, oh, no Bible memory today. I saw the gooders just driving up, but I don't know if they're going to have one or not either. No Bible memory. Going once. Going twice. All right, we'll get right into it. Hebrews chapter 11. And we've been going through this chapter of Hebrews, and it's called the Faith or the Hall of Faith chapter, like the Hall of Fame, because there's so many of the Old Testament characters that are listed here in this chapter concerning faith. And what a great example of faith all these different people are. Last week, we looked at an entire group of people, the Israelites. And it was the first time we didn't just look at one person, we looked at all of them as a nation, as a whole, and their obedience to God and also to Joshua. Today we're actually going to look at someone on the other side of the wall, Rahab, Rahab the harlot. What an interesting uh, person we have now. And, and it's interesting that almost always, I'll show you today the one exception to this, but almost always in the Bible, whenever it talks about Rahab, it's Rahab the harlot. And it's almost like, wow, you know, uh, kind of rubbing it in there, you know, she can never get away from that, that title. But there's a reason why God allowed that to be there and why she, she's remembered that way. Uh, she wasn't that way when she died, but she is remembered that way because he wants to illustrate something. And so what we see here now is we see, for the first time, a non-Israelite or a non-follower, uh, someone that was not born in God's uh, chosen people, as they say, uh, through uh, Abraham's lineage or even before Abraham and Noah and, and Abel and all those. But we see this lady who wasn't much of a lady at one time. Uh, and it says in verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And then after her, it just gives a long list. And, but this one is interesting, and I'm thankful it's in the Bible. And I'm thankful that Rahab the harlot landed on Christmas Day. Some might say, well, that's kind of an kind of an odd one to have for Christmas Day. No, it's not, and you'll see, hopefully you'll understand that in a little bit. But page 45 in our book, let me do some reading here, and we'll go on. No case is too hard for God. Our Lord delights in surprising us with the marvelous trophies of his grace. And that's what Rahab the harlot is. She's one of those trophies of his grace. Uh, As we follow through this faith group in the 11th chapter, we come to verse 31, where it says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not, with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Um, as we read this verse of scripture, we have this horrible word, harlot, prostitute, uh, just someone, a woman of the night type of, type of a slanderous uh, title there. It's associated with this woman Rahab. This woman did the wrong thing with her life and with her body. All of us who are of some age are thinking that there's hardly anything more debasing that could be said about a woman Yet God calls our attention to her. He wants us to look at her life and look at her Lord. She demonstrates something that all of us need 
in our lives. And so we're going to look at these three points today. We'll start on page 46. The woman who lived in a city under judgment. And this is who she is. She's, she's in a city under judgment. This scene takes us to Jericho, a city under judgment of God. They're about to be destroyed. As we talked about last week, the people of Israel are marching around the city once every day for the first six days. And then on the seventh day, they do it seven times in a row. And, uh, and then the walls are going to fall down. She doesn't even know that's going to happen. But she does know, and they are all afraid. As you can see from the story, they're all afraid of these people. And they're afraid of their God. They know something bad is going to happen to them. They're in the path uh, of what God wants to get accomplished here. And so uh, it's a city under judgment of God. Rahab lived in that city. What's going to happen to her? Let's go look at some passages in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 14. Exodus 15 <clears throat> and verse 14. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, and the mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them, and all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm they shall be as still as a stone, till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. And so this is part of that song of Moses and the people of Moses and the people of God who had just got through the other side of the Red Sea. That's what this song is. And they're singing about how scared everyone's going to be of them now uh, because they just defeated Egypt. Actually, God did. And they were all the Egyptians were all drowned through the Red Sea. And so this is, this is continuing on. And so these people of Jericho, they know <clears throat> they've got a powerful God. They, they, Egypt couldn't stand up to him. And uh, so Rahab's one of those people. And this is, this is the people of Jericho. And God said in this passage of Exodus, because of the victories he would give his people, the people of Canaan would be afraid. In Joshua chapter 2, we pick up the story. So Joshua <clears throat> chapter 2, and we'll start reading in verse number 1 uh, about Rahab and the people there. Joshua 2, verse 1. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two spies, two men to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. So these two spies, they were sent into the land of, of Jericho and to spy out and to take a look at it. That's just kind of the military strategy and to just uh, report back what they've seen. And uh, probably the most inconspicuous place they could stay would be at a harlot's house, although they did not participate in anything wicked. They were just hiding out there. And uh, Rahab was the owner of this harlot house and they lodged there, and it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the women took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I want not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fjords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she come up, came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto them, unto the men I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you for we have heard how that the Lord 
dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what he did unto the children, two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. <clears throat> Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. And so these two spies are getting a real maybe a real shock they probably weren't expecting to hear this kind of news to find out that the people of Jericho were absolutely terrified of them they didn't probably expect that when they went in and they're probably they're they're very much encouraged at this news and uh, she's just laying it out there and saying this is how the whole city thinks we're scared to death Joshua sent these spies into Jericho and they discovered that the people were indeed living in fear and the harlot testified, the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Her heart trembled with fear as she thought about the only true and living God. She knew her city was under judgment. She knew that God, what God had done for the Israelites, certainly Rahab was a great sinner. But she had heard about a great God. And she learned, and we're going to see that she learned that God's great grace is greater than our sin. And so I think, <clears throat> let me just ask you this. Do you think it was just an absolute random coincidence that those two guys just happened to stumble onto her house? No, I, I think that God in heaven saw a woman who was not living a clean life, living amongst a whole bunch of people who weren't living a clean life, who were just godless and pagan and heathen, and they're all scared of God. And by the way, just being scared of God isn't enough. She was more than just scared. She actually believed. <clears throat> she said, your God's the God of heaven. Your God's the God of, of everyone. Your God, he is God of heaven above, earth beneath. He is God of gods. He is Lord of lords. And she didn't understand it. This is the first time she's probably talked to these people of God, these Israelites. And, and uh, she's, she's not sure what to do, but she just knows that they're on God's side and she's not. And of course, a lot of people are troubled by the fact that she lied in order to cover for them and to hide them. Now, I don't think God is endorsing her lying. And the Bible never says uh, that, you know, she's in the hall of faith because she lied. It just says she received them. <clears throat> she didn't, she could have easily said, no, 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 you're not staying here. I'll get in big trouble if you stay here. No, she received them, which was a risk that she was taking. Uh, let me remind you of something. The world is, they run by a different system. The, the world operates on a different um, playing field. And honestly, I know this is going to sound like a pun, but no pun intended. Honestly, lying is just part of the deal. L lying is just, I mean, if it's just little white lies, if, 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 it's, if the ends justify the means, the world lies. That's just how it is. And so she's just doing, I mean, in her mind, I'm sure she's thinking she's doing the right thing. And, and, and technically, she was doing the right thing by protecting them. And I'm not really that upset about the fact of what she did. However, I don't recommend lying. I do remember, remember I think I read it in a book about Corey Timboon when they were hiding uh, family members from <coughs> Nazis uh, coming to find uh, hidden uh, people and, and uh, people who were being uh, harbored in, in homes. I think if I remember, I didn't, might have the story wrong, but I think, if I, I think it was them. And they had...
weird there. They had this trap door in the middle of the room, and uh, they had uh, decided to put the people down in the cellar, I think it was, or basement or whatever it might be. And uh, I think it's the batteries, Joseph. And so uh, what they did is they put the people down in the basement and uh, then closed the door. And, uh, and then what they did is they put a rug over the trap door, and then they put the dining table over the rug. And then when the people, the, the wicked, whoever they were, coming to try to uh, incarcerate these people, they said, <clears throat> where are they? And her sister said, <laughs> they're under the table. <laughs> and they looked under the table and they said, she's crazy. And they left. I guess that would be okay. That wasn't exactly lying. They were under the table. I'm not really picking on Rahab today for what she did. She was hiding these people, and she was doing the right thing because she knew that their, their God was, was God. The point is this, though. We don't praise or applaud Rahab the harlot because of her lie or because of her past. We praise and applaud her because of her belief. Her belief is what saved her. Let me remind you, and I want you to just turn there, and then we'll go back to Joshua. But go over to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians Chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So do you get to heaven because you didn't tell any lies? Is that how you get to heaven? By, by never telling a lie? No, because it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation grace is totally a gift of God. Can God give salvation to someone who tells a lie because of embarrassment or fear, even when they're trying to believe and understand him? He still can. And, and should she learn not to lie? Yeah, she should learn not to lie. But that's what verse 10 is all about. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, after the salvation grace comes, then we're like his canvas in which he is painting a painting and working on us. He were like his clay that he's molding us and shaping us into what he wants us to be. And so after the salvation, then God works on those things in our life that are not right. But we do not get those things right before we get saved. That's not how we get saved. We get saved by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe with all my heart that we can see that illustrated here today. <clears throat> so the way of salvation, what is the way of salvation? Let's keep reading back in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 12. Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. I was a young person. I had been given a uh, a Bible story on cassette. You know, those. I don't know if anybody remember what a cassette is, but um, they used to have these things called cassettes that you listen to, um, and um, not a track, but it, a cassette. And so there was this little color storybook and a cassette player, and I would stick it into the cassette player, and I would play that cassette and turn over. When I got to side B, I turn it over, you know. And and anyway, that story talked about Rahab the harlot. But in that story, they had a picture of her with her children. Can I tell you something? The Bible never says she had children. 
I don't think she did. She had parents, she had brethren, but didn't say anything about her children. All right, and and so I just point that out because sometimes what happens is we allow the Bible storybooks to tell us the story rather than the Bible. And so for years, I always just assumed that Rahab had these children that she went out with, and the Bible does not indicate that. It's just a little side note, nothing, nothing big. But anyhow, remember that the Bible trumps any story out there or any movie or movie series or TV series about Jesus. Verse 13, And, he sh- and that ye shall say, will save alive my father, my mother, my brother, and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord. She must have found a rope in the house somewhere. Maybe it was a decorative rope, I don't know. But she found this cord through the window. For her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned. And afterward may you go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt Bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house unto the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And so we see here, and I'm going to read two more verses. And if thou utter this our business, then will we be quit of this oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound, and notice the color. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. What an, what an odd thing. I don't know why you'd have a scarlet cord, unless it was decorative or something. But it just so happens, what a coincidence that they picked her house, and what a coincidence that the rope she grabs to use just happened to be the color of blood. And, and that wise spy said, that wise spy, seeing that color of blood and recognizing that same color that, that was smeared over the doorposts of the houses in Egypt and the same color that spills out of the lamb every time they have an atonement for the sacrifice of the animal sacrifice, that wise spy said, you just take this scarlet cord and you tie it in this window. And then we'll make sure that you are spared and all that are in your home will be spared. This is very similar to the Egyptian Passover in which those who were under the blood and, and were trusting in the blood on their door were spared. I, I think that's where this spy got this from. And so we see here the scarlet thread. The scarlet thread. And honestly, the scarlet thread run, runs from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The scarlet line is what ties us all together. It's the blood of the Lamb. The Bible. You get to the end of the Bible and you find out in Revelation 13, 8, as we're going to see in a minute. The Bible tells us that the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. And it's always been about the blood. And so it's the scarlet thread that deserves our greatest attention. The spies made their promise, and then we see in chapter 6, we find that they kept their promise. Notice in chapter 6 of Joshua, You know the story. They marched around the city. Walls fell down. But Joshua chapter 6. And oh, by the way, 
Another coincidence, I'm sure, God couldn't have possibly thought ahead of time. I'm being sarcastic. The word, the name Joshua in the Old Testament literally is Jesus. It's, it's Jehoshua, it's, it's, it's Jesus pronounced Joshua, if I could say it that way. In Joshua chapter 6, verse number 22, But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman, and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in, and brought out Rahab, and her father, and her mother, and her brethren, and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred, and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord, except for what Achan stole. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive, and her father's household, and all that she had. And Joshua saved Rahab. You could say, and Jesus saved Rahab. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua had sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man that rebuilds Jericho. We'll stop there. So we see here, notice there in verse 25, she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day. But what's interesting, she went from without to within. Verse 23. And all her kindred, and left them without the camp of Israel. But verse 25, it says, And her father's household, and all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day. That's an interesting point to make. She went from without to eventually, once the battle was over, and all that was said and done, dust was settled, she became in. She was no longer without. She was in. And while the rest of the town fell apart literally, and were destroyed, and even Achan, who didn't obey God and his family, there was this woman who was trusting in a scarlet line, the color of blood, as a promise that she would be delivered. So the top of page 47, Rahab was adopted and brought into God's family. God adopted her that day. At that time, I don't know when she started trusting. She obviously confessed to the spies even before Jericho was destroyed that she believed. I don't know when exactly that faith became faith, but she trusted and she was adopted. What got her in? There is a token given us here, and it's the scarlet thread hanging from her window upon the wall. And that scarlet thread speaks of the sacred and scarlet blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb slain, as I said, Revelation 13, 8 the land slain from the foundation of the world. If you just read the Bible from cover to cover, you realize there, there is a theme from beginning to end. We don't know for sure what animal God used, but we know this for sure. When Adam and Eve sinned, God made coats of skins to clothe them. And I'm just going to tell you, because Abel offered a, a lamb sacrifice, I'm just going to tell you, it's got to have been a lamb that God used. But you can't skin an animal without bloodshed. And horror of horrors, as Adam and Eve looks and sees blood on the ground and sees an innocent creature having to be killed so that they could wear coats to cover their nakedness because of their sin. And from the very beginning with the first people on planet Earth, blood has been the theme. Sacrificial atonement blood has been the theme all the way till you get to Revelation. And then you find out in Revelation, before the foundation of the world, it's the blood of the Lamb. It's the same theme. It's always... And, of course, we know 
that John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb which taketh away the sin of the world. And so we see here the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb. Let's look at some passages about blood. First of all, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation, what does the blood of the Lamb do? Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 7, and then we'll go to 1 John. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, it doesn't mean that we have literal blood of Jesus that we use to sprinkle on someone, but spiritually speaking, the application is there. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin, the Bible says. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14. Notice what it says here. The end of the verse. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses. And I don't care what Rahab was. She got saved and she was made white. That white robes is an indication of the righteousness of Christ. You and I couldn't possibly wear our own righteousness to heaven, but we can wear the white robes of the righteousness that he gives us through his own blood. And then I mentioned this last night, but Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, and they overcame him. Who's him? The dragon, serpent, Satan. They overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. They trusted in Christ and they overcame and became and were overcomers through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. And then 1 John chapter number 1, 1 John chapter number 1 verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. Some people like John MacArthur have tried to say that the blood wasn't really that important. It's just the fact that he died on the cross. Well, the Bible sure makes a big emphasis about blood. I mean, come on. It's kind of silly to say something like that. The Bible indicates over and over again, it's the blood of Christ. It is not anything else that can save or clean or cleanse us. And after after salvation, the context of 1 John (coughs) is for those of us who have been saved. Our forgiveness and cleansing, even after salvation, is again through the blood of Christ, what gives us the ability to have fellowship and walk with him as we were before. So Rahab was saved, brought to God, and spared her deeds demonstrated her faith, not only in, of herself, but her deeds now have demonstrated her faith to others. She, she demonstrated her faith more than Achan did that day. She demonstrated her faith more than any other, other people of Jericho did that day. Her deeds demonstrated her faith in the true and living God. What she did was not what saved her, but it was a demonstration And the demonstration was that she had faith. Now, the Bible calls her the harlot Rahab. But let's not forget what the word of God says. She was a sinner, but she was made white and clean by the blood of the lamb. Cleanses us from all sin. The word of God teaches that. And so when someone asks you, how can you call yourself a Christian? Don't you you know? Don't you remember? Are you not aware of, of your past? Oh, I'm aware of it. But praise God, I've been cleansed and I've been forgiven. The Bible says in Ephesians, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And that was Rahab's theme. I've been cleansed and I've been forgiven. And we might say, well, that's nice. You know, I mean, 
it's good that people like Rahab could get saved and go to heaven. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they probably had kind of a, uh, a formerly, the, the, the former har harlot section up in heaven. For, or maybe like it in Israel, you know, they probably had the, the neighborhood for the former harlots. They got to stay there. Uh, but they could be part of Israel, but they had to be, you know, no. No, this is why I'm glad that we're talking about Rahab on Christmas Day. Because I've got to show you something in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, it's the story of the birth of Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, it's where you have Joseph being warned of God by an angel that it's okay to still marry Mary because Mary hasn't been unfaithful. And so in Matthew chapter 1, if you pick up in verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And so then you talk about Mary and, and how the, you know Joseph, her, her fiancé, is troubled because Mary's pregnant. And technically, according to the law in Deuteronomy, Joseph really should take her out and, and, and have her put before the court and say, look, we got engaged, we're going to be married on this day, and boom, she's already pregnant, and I'm not the father. She deserves to be executed. That's what Deuteronomy says. And that's why it says he thought... To make her a public, he thought it was hard. He was not willing to make her a public example. Verse nineteen, he was minded to put her away privately, to just be, you know, just kind of hide Mary. Like he loved her, but he was devastated. She's pregnant. What's going on? How can this be? I mean, you, you can only. And so that's why I've always said, if anybody deserves special message from an angel, and that's what an angel is, a messenger. If anybody deserved a special message from heaven, it was Joseph and Mary, and they both got one. Mary got it first. But here was Joseph sleeping and dreaming, and the angel comes to him and says, Fear not to take Mary, verse 20 in the middle, <coughs> thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so this is part of the Christmas story. But before 18, verse 1 to 18, is all this lineage that leads up to Joseph and Mary. And here's how it starts. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas, his brethren. And Judas begat Pharaoh and Zerah of Tamar. And Pharaoh begat Esram. And Esram begat Aram. And Aram begat Aminadab. And Aminadab begat Naasen. And Naasen begat a guy named Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz. Uh, and he begat Boaz of Rahab. Now, what's interesting is you hardly have any of the women mentioned. It's usually just the fathers, and they begat, and they begat. And we know, actually, that technically... None of these men begat anybody. It was the women that did it. But you get down to verse 5 and it says, And this guy named Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Wait, wait, wait. Salmon married Rahab, and they had a son named Boaz who eventually had a son named David, the king, and Solomon, and the lineage of Jesus Christ through Joseph and Mary actually includes Rahab the harlot? Yes. Yes. This is absolutely proved because if you keep your finger in Matthew 1, you go to Ruth chapter 1 or 4, Ruth chapter 4. No one can say this isn't the same Rahab. Ruth chapter 4. In verse 13, you pick up the story. And so Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, 
and that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom, and became nursed unto it. And the women, women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Same people. So, verse 18 says, Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Naashan, and Naashan begat Salmon. Same guy. And Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. It's the same Salmon, and it's the same Boaz from Ruth chapter 4 in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. <clears throat> and Salmon begat Boaz, and it's 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 on purpose. It's like the Holy Spirit said, hold it, Matthew. Don't just say, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed. You say, Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. You make sure you include her in there. Just go ahead and, I know it's not normal and natural for you to put all the women's name in, but you go ahead and make sure that everybody knows it's Rahab. And by the way, if you know the story of Ruth, Ruth was a Moabite. And Rahab's son was Boaz. Now, why would Boaz have a better attitude about foreign girls than any of the other guys? Because his mother was Rahab. And his mother taught him the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God and how awesome it is. So it wasn't that hard for Boaz to marry Ruth, who then eventually was great-grandparents to David the king and great-great-great-great-great-grandparents to Jesus Christ. There is no section for the former harlots up in heaven. No, no. Rahab is literally the great-great-grandmother of Jesus and King David. See, God's grace makes even a harlot a part of his family. And so we go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. That's why I'm glad this story landed on Christmas Day. Hebrews chapter 11, and notice what it says in verse 16, we were reading 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab. But Hebrews 11, verse 16 says, But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. God's not ashamed to Rahab the harlot. He purposely has that in there for a reason. Now, it isn't Rahab the still harlot, present day harlot. But Rahab, the former harlot, now saved, washed, cleansed, and made a part of the family of God. So we see those two points. The woman who lived in a whole city under judgment. That's the way we are today. We're, we're in a world under judgment. But we see the awesome, beautiful way of salvation. And then thirdly, we see the witness of her faith. The Bible says again there in verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not. She and her family were the only people spared from that city who, who shall be spared in the judgment of this world. Only those who place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same story. It's the same thing as it was in the Old Testament. Only people who place their faith in the scarlet line. Only people who know that their God is the true God and they don't understand it all and they're, they're, they're ignorant of the Ten Commandments and thou shalt not lie and all that stuff. They don't know that. They, that's just part of their normal life. They, don't look at people in this world and say, oh, they're liars. They can never get saved. Look, if they'll get honest about God, they can get saved. 
you don't have to clean up every part of your life to get saved. You just uh, got to get honest about God and be right with God, and boom, you will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's not look at the outward and say, oh, Rahab the harlot, no sense inviting her to church. Are you kidding? God's not afraid or ashamed to be called their God. He can change Rahab the harlot. She didn't have to die Rahab the harlot, and she didn't. And the witness of her faith is awesome. She placed her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know that she understood all of it, but she placed her faith in the scarlet line. We should be giving a witness of that same faith that we say we have. So turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 2. It's real close to Hebrews. James chapter 2. Some people really have a hard time with James chapter 2 because it makes it sound like faith and works have to go together to be saved. No, faith is what does the saving. But the works prove that you got saved. You don't have to have apples on an apple tree. That tree is an apple tree even if there never is an apple that grows on it. But it sure proves it when there's apples. I'm not telling you that it's a, a joy to God for you to be saved and not have any apples. But salvation by itself is enough. That is it. But praise God when the apple tree has apples. When the Christian has fruit that is obvious that you're a Christian. That's what James 2 is saying. Because in James chapter 2, let's just pick up in verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works was faith made perfect. Now hold on a second. The word perfect is the idea of complete complete story but understand something abraham did offer isaac his son we've already studied that but that happened like two or three decades after abraham started believing remember it was about 75 years of age when abraham comes on the scene and follows god and goes to the promised land and all that and learns all kinds of lessons but it wasn't until he was a hundred it wasn't until he was a hundred before Isaac was born, and it was like probably 112 years after that that Isaac was offered on. So the point I'm trying to make is, is that they're, they're make, when, it re, when you read that there, they're forgetting when they argue this that Abraham, yes, his faith was later justified by works when he offered the son, but he already had faith. And so when someone has faith, boom, they're saved. And do you think maybe they had to do some teaching and educating of the harlot? She's saved. But all she knows is what she's known. So probably there was some, okay, Rahab, we, we don't dress this way. And Rahab, we don't do this. And Rahab, this is, and boom, she's learning it. And she raised a son named Boaz who was a good godly man. And so the witness of your faith is not necessarily, boom, you instantly prove you're a Christian the day you got saved. So then it goes on. Verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead alone. I personally believe that Rahab started believing even before she tied the line in her window. I think the line was just a testimony of what she was believing in and trusting in. So Rahab's deeds testified of her faith. The Bible teaches us that the faith without works is dead. God tells us of Rahab again in James 2, and she was not saved by her works. She was not, but she certainly proved 
her faith by her works. She gave witness to her faith by what she did. And so you and I as Christians, we need to, we need to grow apples. Not because that will save us, but because that will prove we really are an apple tree to our neighbors and our loved ones and our friends by the works in our life. If there is faith, then there will be good works. Remember what we read in Ephesians chapter 2? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God took Rahab the harlot and created something beautiful out of her. Works only explained by a faith in God. How can Rahab the harlot turn into the great-grandmother of the King David and Jesus himself? Because God did a work in her heart. And that's what you and I have to take from this. And it's a beautiful story. And the only time you see Rahab without the name or tag harlot next to it is Matthew chapter 1. Because as far as he's concerned, she's not a harlot. But it's a reminder of the trophy of his grace, of the grace of God and how awesome and how big that is. And he made sure that her name was part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to recognize simple, very simple, simple, ignorant faith of a heathen young woman named Rahab who you saw and made sure she had an invitation. And then by your grace, she was saved and not only saved, but she was made a prominent part of your family. We thank you, God, for the way you do things in our lives. Help us to not just say we have faith, but to have evidence of our faith so that others can believe as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.